Hey, everybody. Happy Thanksgiving, November 26, 7.33 p.m. Stardate 26.7432. Spock keeps playing with my balls. Klingons are on the starboard bow. Bones, my God, man. It's Thanksgiving. And, you know, I know I'm supposed to be thankful for stuff, and I am. I'm thankful for a new job. I'm thankful for family. I'm thankful for all the dummies out there, the dummies that support me and take care of me on this show. I'm thankful for all those things. There's no doubt. But when it comes to trying to be thankful for the collective, being thankful for us as human beings, what we are thankful for from, from a group, I couldn't write anything. And I tried and I sat down and I, I just tried and I couldn't, I, I kept going back to politicians and elections. And I finally went down that path. And after, you know, my pen permeated the paper, I realized that the show that I had written was not about being thankful. It was about being condescending with cynicism and derision and skepticism and a bunch of other isms. You put the defense in defense mechanism. So I'm just going to run with it. I'm also writing a book, and it's a self-help book, and it's about overreacting. And I think it's good, except that if it doesn't sell, I'm going to kill myself. I think I may have had an audio snafu. I'm trying to set this up. I now have a single camera. It lags a little bit. So I've got to figure out maybe it's a, it needs a high-speed USB. But it's a good camera and it works. But if there's some lag, I'm sorry. But the quality is fantastic. So welcome to the show, folks. What is this? Who am I? And what the heck are we doing here? Well, it's pretty simple. My name is Matt and I'm with Don't Unfriend Me. You can sign up with all these social sites right here. If you're on YouTube, right below this like, share, and subscribe now, you can do just that. Please follow and like on Facebook as well, as that's my number one platform. YouTube helps as well. Whatever you can do, even if you're on Instagram, just send me a like, follow, and share. I would appreciate it. So let's get in the show today. There is a lot to cover. Once again, if there was an audio mistake when I first came on, bear with me. It's a new camera. I'm working. I'm not going to have a second camera anymore. It's too much drama. It's too hard to light, and this just looks awesome. So I'm going to keep it. Matt Carlson. Love you, Matty. Happy Thanksgiving, and thank you for the recommendation. With no further ado, I want to talk about Jane Elliott. Jane Elliott, this lady, we don't agree on much, but what Jane Elliott and I do agree on is that there is racism in the world. Now, I don't even think Miss Jane Elliott's alive anymore. She did an amazing experiment, which we may remember when we were younger. And this experiment had to do with kids. It was a psychological experiment that she didn't get credit for because she was a woman which is something we also agree is that sexism is real and feminism isn't needed anymore. But anyway, I digress. Hopefully I didn't lose anybody there. Modern day feminism, not burning the bra and making sure that sexists are completely put in their place. What I'm talking about is being man haters and toxic masculinity and stuff like that. No, 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 no. That stuff needs to go away. We all just need to realize that we all have benefits and we all have things that maybe we're not good at, but we are different, but that's what makes us awesome. 
Anyway, I digress. It does in line with the show. And Miss Elliot believes that racism is systemic. And in her time and place in the world, she would be absolutely correct. And through when she was on Oprah. See, we saw this in school as the blue-eyed people, the brown-eyed people, and the green-eyed people. It was a psychological experiment with children. And what she showed was that there was racism in the world. And this experiment got her no notoriety. In fact, the video we saw when we were kids, if you're 40 plus, is, was, was narrated by a man. And he took credit for it when it was actually her work. Later on Oprah, she went on and she was given credit, which she was duly noted. Like I said, we don't agree on much. She's was a believer in white privilege and a few other things. And now the new books on white privilege and owning your whiteness and all that other stuff is not Jane Elliott, but other authors. So talking about this, what was it? Well, it was an experiment, like I said, and Miss Elliott had a group of kids in her class. Some were blue, some were brown, some were green-eyed. And what she did is she said simply that all blue-eyed people were very, very smart and the smartest out of all the kids. And the brown-eyed people weren't, unfortunately. And the green-eyed people were just mediocre and they would always be mediocre. And she would give the blue-eyed people easier problems on the math board. And when they got it right, she would be like, oh, fantastic. Blue-eyed people are so smart. And then brown-eyed people would get up and they would have harder problems and they would fail. And she would say, well, you are a brown-eyed person after all. And the language that she used when a green-eyed person would come up would be like, that's fine. You did your best. And green-eyed people were like, sweet. I don't, I don't, I want to be in the middle. And after time, this constant mental barrage of showing socioeconomic status versus sociology and sociological status was different. So what was comparison contrast to us as adults with the rich and the poor was given to kids in something that they could comprehend with being smart or dumb. This took on a life of its own and the children attacked each other verbally and physically. The classes split up and she did that. Cold milk was given to the blue-eyed children and the brown-eyed children got warm milk. It was an amazing experiment that still holds true to today. And what it shows is that maybe systemic racism isn't necessarily inherent, is that it's taught. And normally people wouldn't be that way unless they learn things to become that way. And they usually would learn from their parents or books or movies or other type of things. So when we look at these type of things, it's a really good understanding of how people work today and what they do. And we're going to review that a little bit. We're going to talk about it a little bit. So I want to start off with hoaxes and social justice causes and trends and fear and, and all of these things that we learned when we were younger. And it's interesting. It started with things like fluoride. When fluoride came about, people protested. They were putting it in the water and ultimately it was going to help people's teeth. But the government really didn't ask. And people thought that fluoride would cause different types of diseases, that it was a brainwashing drug, and they protested. And not just white Anglo-Saxon Protestants. You're talking hippies, yuppies, minorities. Everybody was resistant to change. And this created a huge cause that everyone got behind. 
We can then go into Freon, which Freon wasn't from an aerosol can at first. It came from refrigerators, air conditioners, things of that effect. And ultimately, they told us it was going to kill our ozone and we were all going to die of radiation poisoning. This was a huge fearful fear tactic and wound up that Freon was bad for the environment, but maybe not at the scale that we thought. However, our ozone has repaired and healed due to some of the things that we took care of and did in banning some of those fluorocarbons and CFCs. Nuclear power, this was a massive one. Pickets galore, even though it was one of the cleanest and most stable powers. And really, before it got started, was cast aside. But now that technology has advanced 30, 40 years in the future, I am fairly confident that we can create nuclear reactors that are stable. However, the stigma around these things with the China meltdown, almost like a retroactive Philadelphia experiment if we get involved in this. And yes, when we look at Japan that suffered a major tsunami, I think one of the lessons would be is that you do not put these on the eastern or western or southern seaboards. More than likely, not a good idea. However, still something we should talk about versus electric cars. Then it became Aquanet, my sister's favorite hairspray that would make your 80s hair stand up so you could go get your glamour shots. This became the devil. And Aquanet was banned and protested against, and on everyone's lips was how Aquanet was killing the ozone and the atmosphere once again. Shortly after came the killer bees, the Swarm came out on ABC as a miniseries, and everyone flipped the hell out. That killer bees from Africa was going to come up and destroy and kill us all in the Swarm. Never happened, and now killer hornets are here today. The Y2K bug. Something else that was going to destroy the world in the year 2000. My wife and I barely stayed up as we watched the clock tick and fell asleep before it happened. In the morning we woke up, we were still here. Skynet did not take over the nuclear codes. We were not reduced to carbon. We all survived. And now they're saying 2038 is the real Y2K. Mad cow disease. Interesting that it was all going to be in our meat and taint and cross from cows to all other types of food. And with that, the loss of meat would therefore go ahead and stop manure. And without manure, plants wouldn't grow. And without plants, there would be no more bees. And without bees, we couldn't pollinize. And then overall, we would just die. It never happened. Ebola or Ebola, which was a tiny, tiny, small food parasite slash intestinal bug virus that obliterated people and destroyed them from the eats inside a protein eater that would eat your entire body since you are made up of protein. We all survived and lived even though it was going to kill us all. And then we can go to and stop here, and there's more, but the Zika virus. The Zika virus was in the 2016 election. It was going to kill all of our pregnant women. And anyone who had a baby and was bit by a mosquito and was in that gestational period, that baby would come out deformed. And the entire world was going to be literally look like we were baked in radioactive goo from the bite of the Zika virus. This disappeared after the election. Interesting. I have a feeling Corona will not be talked about as much after this election as well, but we're not going to go into that yet. 
So as you can see through the generations, there's been these causes that people have uproared. And there are hundreds of other. There's make love, not war. There's obviously racial discrimination, civil rights movement, stopping Jim Crow laws, abortion, uh, LBGTQ, LGBTQ rights. We, we know transsexual rights, trans in the bathroom, uh, plastic straws, all of these things. There's, there's, there's plenty to go around. But I want to talk about this next generation. And a lot of people thought that the Gen Xers, the Gen Ys, the Gen Y bothers, the millennials, more millennials, had no direction. And they didn't care about anything. And we couldn't motivate them to do anything. We couldn't get them to vote. We couldn't get them to protest. We couldn't get them to rally. And guess what? We told them so and let them know that they were failing us. And they turned around and said, no, Boomer, you're failing us. And I've always said, be careful what you wish for, because now we have it. But before this generation started protesting like they are now, this was the generation of Tide Pods that decided to eat Tide Pods online and record it. The generation of Plankers, no matter where you were, in an airport or on a skyscraper or the Grand Canyon or on a bicycle going downhill at 40 miles an hour, planking became a phenomenon. From there, we had the cinnamon challenge. Swallow a teaspoon of cinnamon and see if you could still survive after taking that much dust into your lungs. And ultimately, people died. Can we forget the Harlem Shake as people at work spent hours and hours writing whatever video they were going to do and wasting company payroll across America? Still fun, but not a real cause compared to yesteryear. From there, the bottle cap challenge, too, went across the internet and was amazing. And we got to see people kicking the bottle cap. Amazing. And then it turned into something else. And there are plenty of other challenges. The ice bucket challenge is one. There is a newer one where people are doing TikTok videos and transitioning and doing cool effects, including topless girls who are under age of 18, which is another reason why we need to be careful about what kids consume. There is an epidemic of child predators out there. And I thought I would just bring it up that TikTok is dangerous and needs to be watched carefully. And if you are a parent, this isn't Elvis thrusting his hips. This isn't rap music. This is predators predating our children based upon sexual content because of a crazy app. If it's on their phones, I would get involved quickly. Statues became a big thing. Why? Because they were told so. When they started moving into the field of protesting and social inequality and social injustice around the world, and as the evil government turned to Donald Trump, Herr Trump, Sieg Heil Trump, statues were to blame. Statues of Jefferson, Hunipra Sarah, Abraham Lincoln, just to name a few, Christopher Columbus, Robert E. Lee. It didn't matter what you were, as long as you were a statue put up by white men, it deserved to come down. Even Frederick Douglass, with the Underground Railroad, and be one of the main reasons why black people were free in the Civil War, he deserved to be torn down too. Because one thing that we did not teach the millennials is we taught them not to care. We taught them to care, but not understand the history 
and what they were supposed to care about. And then we programmed to think about Russia and that Donald Trump was a Putin puppet and he was a Nazi and he was going to destroy black people and minorities. And they used his words and cut his sound bites to do all their bidding. They manipulated what he said and they took small parsips of his message and turned it to their benefit ad nauseum over and over and over again. With the racist tropes came comparisons to Adolf Hitler and Garbles, and unfortunately, that never happened. They said he was going to take away lesbian and gay rights, and that never happened. That abortion was on the docket, and that didn't happen. That your medical coverage would go away, and that didn't happen. You see, the difference between those things that happened before, there was a collective group of people and we were all on the same side. Y2K may have been stupid, but we all believed it was going to happen and we tried to do whatever we could to stop it. We all believed killer bees were coming and we all had to learn how to dive into the pool and hold our breath for a minute or two until the swarm went by and hopefully they didn't stop and get a drink of water. We had to learn about nuclear holocaust and get under our wooden desks, ultimately to create kindling to burn and die in a ball of fire coming from Russia. The difference is, is that those things could happen, and the things that they've said would happen will never happen. Xenophobia, Islamophobia. Because someone decides to ban Muslim countries from coming into our country due to terrorism, and that 93% of the Muslim countries and people were not banned from coming in. It was hardly a Muslim ban, but appropriately should have been named a terrorist ban. The problem is with terrorism is how do you know who's a terrorist and who's not? It's similar to the Viet Cong, Vietnamese and the Viet Cong in the Vietnam War. Is they couldn't tell the good guy versus the bad guy. And with terrorism, it's an ideology, not a color of a skin, not the way you look, not the way you talk. Unfortunately, good people will be held accountable when you're trying to stop something such as terror. Antifa, who now resembles Nazis more than anything else, and even though they preach against fascism and they preach against the Nazi culture, they are the only ones in black uniforms with helmets and riot shields and goggles and sticks and red flags they may come in the way and the speech of freedom, but they are nothing but socialists and communists who want anarchy. So they may not be Nazis, but similar to the Nazis, they absolutely 100% don't want free speech or for you to think for yourself. And now we watch the world burn. We watch our cities burn because they're told this is the way to change things. This is a way to make an impact. This is a way to let them know that you will not tolerate it anymore. But the question is, what are you fighting for? The question is, is not what I am thankful for because I am thankful for freedom. I am thankful for my country. I am thankful for veterans, my family, the food on my plate, the bank account that is starting to head north versus south. And we are being told yet again that there is a crisis that deserves our attention that is not there. 
We are told that COVID is as dangerous as the bubonic plague, and we treat it like it will end the earth. We have had many of these diseases. And now we subjugate people to shame and belittlement when they simply want to have Thanksgiving dinner, or they want to have friends and family over, or spend their last Thanksgiving with a loved one who is susceptible to COVID and will more than likely catch it. And we use words and we make statements that if you say anything against the norm, that you want 250,000 people dead and you want to see 200,000 more people to die. And this is the type of vitriol and language that we use. I am thankful for a great many things. I am not thankful for who we are as a human race and as a populace. I wish the days would come when we worried about Y2K or we ate Tide Pods, but we have an uneducated generation who is on fire and they want to see it all burn. And unfortunately, they're going to outnumber us soon. When you ask what you're thankful for, don't be afraid to ask for something else. Maybe it's time that we sat around the table and put our hands together. For the first time, my family and I said a prayer, and we haven't said one ever as a family. We sat down and locked hands like I did when I was younger with my family. And although I am not a godly man, I thank the Lord for what he has provided for us. I thank the Lord for the health of my family and the food on our table and the job that I now have. I didn't ask for anything else from me. I simply asked that people can somehow look within and realize that this is not the answer. Happy Thanksgiving to everybody. And I know that was deep, but I think it was important. What else is important? Well, I would appreciate it if you would give me a like, subscribe, and share, especially on YouTube, but also on Facebook. That helps out a tremendous amount. Also, the Veteran Crisis Hotline, 1-800-273-8255. Press 1. Veterans are in need, especially during the holiday times. 22 veterans commit suicide every single day. It actually goes up to about 24, 25 during the holiday season. Please recognize the signs. Traumatic brain injury is serious. We need to help our veterans. If you don't know how to make that phone call, please reach out to me. I will make it with you. You can go to my website at don'tunfriendme.com, click on the VCL link, and it will immediately give you a free Skype phone call to make that call. And it just takes one second to help save a life. Folks, that is it for me. I am Matthew. It is Thanksgiving. I'm going to go spend some time with my family. I appreciate you, and I thank you for listening. God bless. Have a great night, and I will see you tomorrow.